Welcome to the Katie Helper Show. I'm your host, Katie Helper. Make sure you become Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. So you can hear my Patreon-only interview with Matt Taibbi. We talk about his Rolling Stone piece called YouTube Facebook Purges Are More Extensive Than You Think. Legitimate journalists are again being caught in the wash of internet cleanups. And very excited about today's show. We have a really jam-packed show. We got live in the studio. She's here with me now. Isha Krishna Swami. Hi, come to the mic. Hi, everyone. How are you? I am good, and thank you for having me on. Oh, thanks for coming. Isha Krishnaswamy, mm-hmm. who is the host of a great podcast called Historically. She's also a lawyer, the director of the nonprofit Legislation for Equality and Advanced Progress, which is kind of the Alec of the left. Her name is Isha Legal on Twitter. We also have with us in studio Francesca Fiorentini, a correspondent, comedian, and self-identified B-list celebrity. <laughs> she launched Al Jazeera's first comedy show, News Broke, and she's the host of the podcast, The Bituation Room. Now, we are going to talk about a lot of interesting things today, um, but first we're going to talk to Jessica Rabin about a really exciting thing that just happened. It's involving sex work and a decrim law. We have Jessica on the line. Awesome. Jessica, are you here? Yes. Hey, thank you so much for calling in. Of course. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us about um, this breaking news about uh, Decrim? Yeah. So I am a steering member of Decrim New York, which is a fairly new coalition working to decriminalize, decarcerate, and destigmatize the sex trades in New York City and state. And just yesterday, um, we worked with our our colleagues on the Senate and Assembly, um, Julia Salazar, Jessica Ramos, Richard Gottfried, and introduced a comprehensive bill to decriminalize sex work in New York City and state. Great. Um, Julia Salazar, friend of the show, former guest, got to get Jessica Ramos on. We've also had on Tiffany Caban, um, who of course is running for um, Queens DA and um, committed to fully decriminalizing sex work. Um, so what do people need to know about this and where are you in the process of this bill? Yeah, um, so we're still in the very early stages. The bill has just been introduced. It will decriminalize both the buying and selling of sex. So we reject the in-demand model that, um, that proposes that we criminalize buying sex while decriminalizing selling. We have to fully decriminalize um the sex exchange in order to keep sex workers safe. Um, and and um, it also repeals some other harmful laws that are on the books. So, for example, um, loitering for the purposes of prostitution, which is also known as the walking wall trans ban. Right now, you can be profiled as a sex worker if you are a black woman or you're trans and you're wearing a miniskirt and you're occupying public spaces, you could be arrested on the um, loitering for the purposes of prostitution. So there is a a bill that's moving forward that would repeal that, but um, we also built that into our comprehensive legislation. Um, another, Another piece, another bill that's moving forward that's also built into our comprehensive legislation is vacating the criminal records of trafficking survivors. So if you were trafficked in the sex trade and you were forced to engage in other behaviors that were criminalized, um, so for example, drug possession, 
then that record should be cleared. Um, and it's also important to know that criminal records block access to resources for a lot of people in the sex trade. So if you've been criminalized and you want to leave the sex trade, it's harder to access other forms of oh, employment. Right. It's harder to access housing. It's harder to access health care. Um, and so criminal records are really hurting people and also hurting trafficking victims. Great. I mean, no, not great. Bad. Right. <laughs> good, that, good that you're working on this. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm you. glad this is getting new. Um, this is getting attention. This is getting, I feel like, more st- destigmatized every day. There's still a lot of work to mm-hmm. do. But yeah, I want to thank you guys for all your hard work. You guys are really shifting the discussion on this. And uh, we actually we had Melissa Jira Grant on a couple of years ago. And one of the points she made, which I thought was really good, is that everyone loves to talk about their feelings and ideas and thoughts about sex work, but no one mm-hmm. really talks about sex workers um, and what they right. go through and what they want. And, you know, I'm, I, you know, it's great to hear your people's theories uh, about, you know, power, money, commodification, whether something's empowering or um, demeaning, but it's kind of just like with every other job that doesn't stop us from recognizing it as a job um, or you know, advocating and organizing around rights for the workers. Exactly. There's violence and harassment in every industry, but um, criminalization makes it worse. Right. And I think, you know, the idea of when are we going to make other things illegal if it's about um, protecting people, right? Like boxing, Mm -hmm. if it's about taking, you know, stopping people from doing unfair things, which I'm not saying this is, I'm just saying accepting their, the framing. Uh, How about like, you know, predatory lending, all those things. So, um, yeah, there. I just did exactly what I criticize people for, which is share my thoughts on sex work, not sex workers. But I think it's OK because it's really about sex workers. And I'm talking to someone who is um, on the on the for, uh, at the forefront of this battle. So I'm going to pat myself on the back. But mostly I'm going to thank you <laughs> for doing the work that you're doing. And where can people because we got a lot to talk about. Just oh, the, Can just you wanted... quickly talk about the difference between decriminalization and legalization and why decriminalization is better? Great. Nice. Okay. Yeah, thank, thank you, thank you, you so question. much. Any questions um, for my guests? We aren't advocating for legalization at this stage because we've seen in other places like Nevada um, that legalization models have often excluded people who are most marginalized in the sex trade, so undocumented workers, um, people experiencing homelessness who may not identify as sex workers but are trading sex to access housing, um, trans folks. So people who are most marginalized end up not being able to meet the requirements or regulations that tend to be introduced with legalization models. Not to say that legalization is, you know, not something that we can talk about at some point, Um, we're not there yet. We have to do a lot of public education, make sure that um, what we're fighting for is inclusive of all the people that we, the people at the margin. So right now we're working to decriminalize sex work, which um, would just remove the criminal penalties and and helps to reduce police harassment, helps us to um, remove criminal records so that people can access resources. So it's a harm reduction strategy. Great. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And that has been Jessica Raven from the Decrim New York Steering Committee. And thanks so much for calling in. And we will uh, thank you for having have you me. on again. Thanks. Great. Isha, you live in New York City. Francesca, you are not in New York City. Tell us why you're here. Uh, I'm just visiting. I flew you in just for the Katie Halper yeah, Show. Yeah, flew in, flew in for the Katie Halper Show. I wanted to be in person. Uh, it's about damn time because yeah. we've been talking about this forever. Uh, no, visiting friends. I got a wedding to go to Ooh. as always. It's a nice summer wedding yeah. and then doing a bunch of stand-up comedy. Great. Yeah. How long have you been doing stand-up, by the way? Uh, about eight years now. Wow. Um, 
but going hard like five, I would say. Got it. You know, you, were you got you kind of phoning it in before. Kind of, you no, know, yeah. just sort of. Um, just the same hack, take my wife, you know, right. you know, just ver- different versions of that. So I right. got serious about five years Good. ago. You're like, really? No, take my wife. Yeah, no, really. Now you're She's, like really I, serious. Yeah, by it. the 10th really, wife. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And by the way, just want you to know, um, people can't see this right now. I'm pointing to a sign of words that we can't say. Just want you to know there's some curse words we can't say. I got to have an episode all about this and free speech and how George Carlin somehow got WBAI in trouble with those words. <laughs> Ship his fuck on cocksucker motherfucker and tits. Because you're a stand-up comedian, edgy, mm-hmm. I want to warn you, don't get us kicked off by saying any of those. That was my original list. I knew it wasn't complete, but it was a starter set, you know? <laughs> yes, WBAI is the one who played them. Maybe one day I'll spell them out or something. Are we allowed to do that, Michael? Are we even allowed to spell them out? What, no. what about synonym, synonym is like... No, mm-hmm. all, right. all right. I think I think frick sounds cooler frick, yeah. anyway. Like yeah. on stage when you say frick, yeah. the audience is like, oh, whoa. I They're like, whoa, I like the museum. Because that way you can have a cycle. It's from Battlestar Galactica. Oh. And you can have Ooh. a psychological negative association with hydraulic fracturing or fracking. Even right. better. That kills, crushes in front of audiences. I mean, yeah. especially when I have to explain it. Right. But uh, it's always a good all good not to swear on my yeah. book. Yeah. So um, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. We're going to talk about the media because you guys are two women of color who are making great media and you are in a sea of um, crappy media, um, which much of which is created by uh, straight white men. But I don't want to limit that. I don't want to invisibilize anyone. There are a lot of people of all backgrounds creating uh, crappy media. But um, (laughs) you guys are also my fellow. We got some Bernie bros in the house. Mm -hmm. Do you guys still identify as Bernie bros? Absolutely. Okay, cool. Um, So... I got to talk about this story. It's it's on. It's the big elephant in the room. This whole YouTube box apocalypse thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and as people may or may not know, um, a right wing, very stupid right wing guy named Stephen Crowder, who has somehow has a very viral show on YouTube. I don't really understand why, because he's so stupid and he's so not funny. These I'm not. These are not ad hominem. These are just like definitionally. Those are the things he is. Um, I actually met him, but I'll, I'm, I'm tell sure you in the stand-up second. circuit. Con- well, yeah, actually, I met him at the on the Alan Combs show years ago, and the reason he's in the news now is because he makes these videos, these response videos, where he quote unquote debunks. Not at all. He pretends to debunk these videos made by a Vox journalist, Carlos Maza, um, and Carlos Maza felt like he was getting um, harassed, and he tweeted about this. You wanted YouTube to do something about it. YouTube ultimately responded by demonetizing Crowder. Um, although I think it's they've already somehow he's already he's past that. Like, he's past that. Okay, we're we're gonna get to that. But I just wanted to because I feel really bad for Crowder because he's getting beaten up on. I wanted to make sure to <laughs> elevate him, and uh, I don't want him to be silent. So I wanted to share with you guys a really great piece he wrote called "Waiting Till the Wedding Night: Getting Married the Right Way." <laughs> And this is at Fox News. He published this in 2012. Um, wow. I'm just going to read a little bit of it. As anyone who's read my abstinence column here at Fox News Opinion could guess, my wedding is something that I've looked forward to for quite some time. <laughs> After having tied the knot at the end of August, I can now say beyond all shadow of a doubt that it was everything I'd hoped and prayed it would be since childhood. I'd also prayed to be bitten by a radioactive spider and develop sticky hands, but I was an idiot. <laughs> really weird. Thanks for sharing that. Really weird. 
Um, let me preface this column by saying this. My wife, I have to get used to saying that, and I not only waited sexually in every way, no, we didn't pull the Bill Clinton and technically avoid sex sex, but we didn't shack up as live-ins. And most importantly, we courted each other in a way that was consistent with our publicly professed values. We did it right. Feeling judged? I couldn't care less. You know why? Because my wife and I were judged all throughout our relationship. People laughed, scoffed, and poked fun at the young, celibate, naive Christian couple. We certainly never make it to the wedding without stooping. Wait, you can't use that word. Well, you? You're so. not a friend, an FOJ, friend of the Jews. <laughs> and if we did, our wedding night would be awkward and terrible, they said. Turns out that people couldn't have been more wrong. Looking back, I think that the woman, that the women saying those things felt like the floozies they ultimately were. And the men with their fickle manhood tied to their pathetic conquest felt threatened. I think it's important to write this column, not to gloat, though I'll be glad to, but to speak up for all the young couples that have also done things the right way. When people do marriage right, they don't complain so much, so their voices are silenced by the rabble of promiscuous charlatans peddling their pathetic worldview as progressive. Our wedding was perfect. Our wedding night was nothing short of amazing. I write this on a plane heading into a tropical paradise. I write this on our wedding night, in fact, from (laughs) our marital bed. Exactly, yeah. Um, I'm having some difficulties, so I'm going to take a break and write this right now. (laughs) I'm writing this from the bathroom after crying for about 30 minutes. Yeah, and dreaming about... Uh, snakes and sticky hands, Um, a plane heading into a tropical paradise with the most beautiful woman to have walked the planet Earth. I know everybody says that their bride was the most beautiful in the world. They're wrong. I win. I'd like to tell you a story of our morning after. However, you have to one that transpired into one of the most glaring epiphanies I've ever had. Does he know what glaring word means? Okay. Um, As my wife, again, still not used to that, and I ate breakfast at a local inn, we discussed how excited we were to start the rest of our lives together, how scary it was that everything now was so different. At the same time, we overheard the table next to us discussing their very own wedding from the night prior. What a coincidence. The thing is, nothing's really changed, the bride said. Puzzled, my wife asked, did you get married last night too? So did we. Congratulations, the other dame said. Dame, okay. Oh my God, first of all, the writing is terrible. Not only puzzled, my wife asked. Nobody does that anymore. Yeah. Nobody, you're never supposed to, adverbs on on like clauses of speech, no good. Yeah. Everyone knows that. That's hacked. That's like 12 year old crap. I know, we should have, next, Stephen, please send us your scripts. I'm puzzled. Yeah. I know, he's so, I wish wish you could play, uh, play next episode, I'll play some of his audio because his voice is so annoying. Um, so, uh, congratulations, the other dame said. Yeah, we did just last night. Where's the groom, my wife innocently scratched that, naively asked. Oh, he's sleeping. There was no way he was coming out with me this morning, she paused and smirked. Let's just say that he's got a lingering headache from a really good time last night, end quote. My heart sank. Firstly, that poor schmuck's good time. Wh- wh- who is this guy? He's not from New York. He's from Michigan. Yeah, he's Crowder. from Michigan. Sorry. Yeah. He's like a, his mom, is, I happen to know his mom is French Canadian. We'll get into that in a second, how I know that. Um, my heart fank- sank. Firstly, this poor schmuck's good time was simply getting snookered. Not enjoying the company of close family and lost friends. Why is he judging his this poor guy's this way of fun? If he wants to I drink know, and have fun, that's because his he's idea he's very of fun. insecure. Obviously, you can tell that this guy's very insecure about a lot of things in life, yes. which drives his uh, profession and his personality and his, you know, not funny choices. Yeah, exactly. My heart's saying, firstly, that poor schmuck's good time was simply getting snookered. Not enjoying the company of close family and long lost friends with a clear head. Where what happened on where did, did this guy have like a sleepover at his wedding night? <laughs> and clean conscience, not starting in awe at his beautiful new wife, wanting to soak in every glimmer of her eyes as she shot him 
racing shot him heart racing looks from across the dance floor not taking all of the cheesy pictures as they cut the cake not even carrying her across that sweet threshold as they nervously anticipated their nightcap he probably won't remember any of it instead he got smashed he was that guy at his own freaking wedding then i realized something our wedding was truly a once in a lifetime event it was a god's honest celebration of two completely separate lives now becoming one Physically, emotionally, financially. <laughs> That's funny. A little Marxist, financially. Little Marxist critique in there. And, and uh, everything that made us who we were individually was becoming what bonded us together. Our family traveled far and wide to celebrate the decision of two young people to truly commit themselves to each other and selflessly give themselves to one another. And then they watched us make sweet, 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 sweet love, love for 35 seconds. Before I left to the bathroom. And where, that is how God intended. This. Yeah. Is this almost over? Yeah. yeah, yeah, don't worry. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> in a way that they never had before that very night. The people next to us that morning, well, there's just one big party. And the morning after, just another hangover. Our weddings were the same event in name only. They know it and we know it. Really? They know it? You think they care about your abstinence I, only break? I don't think those people even remember. Of course they is. don't. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you do yours the right way? If you're young and wondering whether you should wait, whether you should just give in because a live-in harlot mimbo... What? Jesus, yeah, become a live-in harlot mimbo and do it the world's way. I'd love a live-in harlot mimbo, by the way. What's Just putting mimbo? that out there into I the guess a man universe bimbo. and man the radio. Bimbo. Okay. If you're wondering whether all of the mocking, the ridicule, the incredible difficulty of saving yourself for your spouse is worth it, let me tell you without a doubt that it is. Your wedding can be the most memorable day and night of your life or just another party. Oops, did I just make a judgment? You're darn right I did. Okay, how is this guy considered anything but... Pathetic. I, I don't care if you don't if you don't have sex, if you're absent, that's fine. But this guy is like dripping with insecurity. Well, it's very fitting that you're reading this around the straight pride, not straight pride oh, yeah. uh, oh, parade because this is the biggest defense of his life choices and, and, and someone who has to defend their own choices around sexuality and marriage to this degree are clearly insecure with yeah. their sexuality and gender and right. gender roles. Also... Everything about this sounds awful because it sounds like, you know, when you buy a frame from the store and there's a photo of just like a jock yeah. white couple in it, in yeah. the actual frame. And you're like, get this out of here immediately right. so I can put my cat yeah, in it, yeah. you know? So you take out, that's them. Like that's Steven them, yeah. Crowder is like his the wife, his guy has a little of, like yeah. flower crown that she kept from Coachella. And, no, and you I hate wish. these, there, everyone there hates are, these the people. Way, showing you guys a picture. She's um, blonde. She's fine. No, not, don't tell me her. she's blonde. Of course, of course she's blonde. Yeah, yeah. But the whole thing reads like a, it's like a heterosexual harm, Hallmark card that you buy someone for straight pride parade. Yeah, but it's also, I feel like this is the best anti-abstinence only. I mean, you know, this reminds me of, what's um, Sarah Palin's daughter's name? Um, she had these weird names, Trip, Trig. Yes, um, all the T's. Was, I can't remember the daughter's name, but she was a, an abstinence only advocate and the face of the abstinence only movie and she got pregnant. Yeah. Not movie, movie. Out of wedlock. Yeah, so, so she was actually, she didn't even know it, but she was Planned Parenthood's um, spokeswoman. Oh, by the way. <laughs> so, by the way, Bristol Palin. Sorry, I didn't want to, I forgot her name. I can't believe it's been so long. But Bristol. 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 She didn't name, have a T yeah. name. I know. Yeah, there's a T in there, but right, it doesn't start with a T. So it gets, that's why, probably why I didn't remember. Steven Crowder is funded by Americans for Prosperity and Young Americans for Freedom. So, like, just remember all of these um, right-wing quote-unquote comedians are not organic. They're getting like a hundreds of thousand dollars of right. like funding propped up. Which is really interesting because Steven Crowder's entire 
tirade and his point against Carlos Maza is that Carlos is somehow a shill for, you know, MSNBC, NBC. I don't know what, like mainstream media is, um, I believe Vox's parent corporation is Comcast. Right. But um, but that really does sound like Americans for Prosperity just like was like, hey, could you write a blog about heterosexuality and get get like fifteen hundred dollars? Do you think anyone read that and was like five thousand? Yeah, five thousand. Do you think anyone read that and was like, that sounds? You know what? I'm going to be abstinent now, so I can sit next, so so I don't get drunk. And get hung over. Also, That's the warning, like the cautionary tale about why you shouldn't have sex before no, marriage. He, he's conflating those two things as if this person wasn't present at their own way. I don't even want to yeah. delve into like whether he's yeah, right yeah, or wrong. Yeah, yeah. No. Just the entire thing. <laughs> it's pathetic. Like, also, I'm sorry, honey boo boo, who married him. Oh, my God. I what know. a life sentence of bad sex. Because I'm sorry. This is what I think about abstinence. Personally, if I had waited... Well, I'm divorced now, but if I had waited <laughs> till I had gotten married, just bad sex. Bad, you can't right. you can't teach them. You're already betrothed to them. I mean, uh, married to no them. There's no exit plan. There's no exit plan. Divorce. Yeah. Divorce. Exactly. Yeah, he's he's contributing. That's to divorce why I got. Rates. Yeah, he's he's raising divorce rates probably. He, he absolutely sure he is raising that. divorce rates. So this guy is such a tool. Joining me now, Fox News contributor Stephen Crowder, who, as you know, was at the Lansing rally yesterday. Oh was yeah, a, he was, was at the United Auto. Uh, I'm from Michigan, so. Yeah. Um, he's kind of he's one of the few things we're ashamed of in Michigan. Um, we're he was he was at this United Auto Workers um, strike, and there was like this was way back in 2011 or 12. All right, Steve, let's start where you, with an update yesterday because the left has been attacking you all day. We just showed a video union guys collapsing that tent. They're denying that. Oh, it's not true. You were there. <laughs> and so first he claimed that the auto workers punched him. And let's remember, by auto workers, he's talking about like seventy-year-old, sixty to seventy-year-old, like very old people. Um, but and they probably did. But yay. listen, they had well, reason. Yeah. I don't know if you've, you've been reading uh, uh, online. I deserved it. I deserved it I because I, I have no no business being there. You deserved you what you liar, got. You are a liar, sir. You, you are being swallowed. Your unions you are being swallowed. They, these are babies flailing before being put to bed. They are violent. This was not an isolated event. Look around you, man. Yeah. This was the Steve, event. You should be so proud taking you know taking pot shots at these people who are terrified about losing Do their you know jobs what a pot shot and is? livelihood. Okay. That's what Do they're know what a doing. Punch shot is? He pulled at one yeah. of the auto workers first. There's a video. There's wow. a video of him. He and pretended he was attacked. Union supporter Andy Sullivan. He is with Blue Com. Andy, you you claim he's inciting this violence. Well, listen. First off, <laughs> that tape was uh, very well edited. I happen to have seen some footage mm. where it looked that he actually pushed a guy down to the ground, and that was the fellow that was actually striking him. And that's the way it looked right. to me. First, he dragged him down. And then that guy then got, got, up, up, got, got up and punched him, him in the, in the face. face. And Stephen Crowder, the man baby he is, he played the victim. First of all, your injuries OK? Yeah, yeah, listen, I'm fine. I'm still tough enough to take the best shot that this gelatinous type of goo uh, union thug can throw at me. I'm fine. Thank you for asking. OK. Uh, I guess the obvious question is, are you OK? And how are you feeling? Thank you. Well, you know, I am uh, I'm underrested, overworked, overtrained and, and still tough enough to take this punk's best punch. So I can't complain. Talked about how I, he's like, I think that they would have killed me there where I stood. I truly believe that if I would have defended myself, they would have torn me apart. They would have killed me where I stood. And he's like, I got sh-. he's like, I got four shots to the face. Now, listen, if I were to walk up to someone, put my face in their face and say, union suck, nanny, nanny, boo boo, that still doesn't merit four shots to the face. That's- and then it's really funny. Old this, people from this, like um, 
Royal Oak or Macomb, Michigan. <laughs> and this guy, this labor guy who was on the um, Sean Hannity show was like, listen, I'm not going to get schooled by a little punk. You know what? I don't need to be schooled by you. And he's like, you just were. You just were. OK, I've been in this business quite a well, long time. Well, you just time. were. No, I you wasn't, just were. pal. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's, I got to You know, it. I feel like. Put that in. He's such a fragile, such a fragile straight white men. Yeah. Heterosexual straight white men have, are going through like phantom oppression you know when like you lose a limb you've got like phantom limbs um i just want to add one more critique what it is is that um there is an oppression that a lot of people are going through which is poverty poverty is the oppressiveness not the but because no one on the left is talking about how oppressive poverty is People on the right can weaponize this right. identity and claim that it's because you're white. Sure. And but it's actually right. because you're poor. I think that's a really good point. I think that one of the ways that I hope we don't repeat, and I don't want to get into the 2020 discussion, but I, no, I think that one of the ways that, that I mean, one of the ways that identity politics gets weaponized against the left is when the left doesn't actually uh, take intersectionality seriously and talk about the ways class and race right. and gender all intersect. So then we're all just sort of fighting about shallow identity, not just yeah. shallow, but you know what I mean? Just um, sort of on face value identities rather than speaking about, you know, systemic oppression right. and right. how that plays into class oppression. Exactly. Right. And that's why I would and that's why, and the, the way some of the people in the Democratic Party talk about rural white voters, they're acting more like they want to revoke their status of whiteness as mm. opposed to understanding the class analysis and the systematic oppression that they pe- rural white voters are feeling because they are poor and oppression from poverty. It's mm-hmm. almost like a race to the bottom, right? It's exactly. Like, instead of saying, we feel everyone's pain, we feel your pain. Yes, there is a racial, obviously there's like added layers, um, but this kind of like get over yourself thing doesn't, I mean, what what we were saying about Crowder is great. Crowder's, you know, yeah. Crowder is definitely, yeah. But that's, I think we're saying that Crowder is, um, I mean, and again, I, I think that the left needs to be really careful about being like, well, it's because we didn't do things correctly yeah. that it's our fault that there are new Nazis. Because actually, n- like new Nazis blame the left right. for the rise of their hate. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you did this on your own, buddy. Like no one can convince you to, you know, wear a swastika. But I will say that the Democratic Party generally having no interest in actually talking about class or tackling it because they, right. you know, right. do get pharmaceutical company sure, yeah. money, et cetera, et cetera. Um, have depoliticized so much of the base. Whereas if you did talk about right. what we're talking about, po- poverty as oppression, you would politicize right. that base, which is not necessarily what the Democratic leadership wants. Right. And you do create, I mean, I think it, you're not, we're not saying like it's on, I mean, I do think that you create a vacuum when you don't politicize the base or you don't speak to the base, right? And then you have someone like Trump doing it so much, like you can either ignore these people and just shame them or you can actually try to compete and get their votes and there's and again there's this false dichotomy like if you if you speak to certain people you have to throw other people under the bus and no one's saying that no you can I mean, have, no one, none of us on the left you can have a broad based class yeah. solidarity but we can mock steven crowder for being a mouthpiece for the ruling oppressive class yeah 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 yeah, and, yeah, yeah. for sure yeah i think what when when it starts to get, we start to get into trouble is when we have to say it's either right. racism or um, economic anxiety. We all know that, like, I think, uh, and I, I think it's right to to be offended at the idea that it's just economic anxiety that is that drove white voters to Trump. I think we all saw, in fact, 
statistically, it wasn't poor whites. No, it, it was, was middle class whites. Yeah. And it was, it was even a, college educated whites. It was whites. a petty bourgeois. But um, we also <laughs> have to remember why people feel economic anxiety. It's because we took away the safety nets in the 90s. There's no welfare. There's no free co- like fuck college. So people who are petty bourgeois, where it's not like they have billions of dollars to always be rich, they are their situation is pre- precarious and they're anxious because there is no net for them to fall in case they lose it. And so they are frightened of losing that minuscule privilege they have as petty bourgeois. Sure. And so uh, and so they turn to YouTube. And, and I don't know what they do, but what, <laughs> what we shouldn't do is mock economic anxiety as not right. being real when it is really the fault of the neoliberal world order where they have um, basically d- done trade deals that have, got, have done race to the bottom and um, a lowered wages, mm-hmm. there are, um, a, and then they've gotten rid of regulation. So there's very few protections for workers and dismantled the unions. Right. So um, to kind of decouple that and to mock people below them, like many people in like mainstream media do, to me is actually very cruel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned Francesca. Um, the weaponization of identity politics. And I just wanted to share something that happened a couple weeks ago, but I think it's so timeless and I somehow missed it. But you guys probably heard that during these um, uh, Democratic town halls that CNN had, they had like a, a marathon of them and they had, um, uh, so they were asked about voting rights for the incarcerated, mm-hmm. right? And they asked, um, I think Bernie, they started with Bernie and um What's her name? Klobuchar. She really I said this before, but she's like Anne from Arrested Development. Because she didn't get asked that, but she's always like forgotten about because and it's so weird. Like, how are you gonna be so moderate and also use a, a comb to eat your salad? Which I like. You heard about this, right? That, she, no. she, oh yeah, she's an she's abusive to her staffers. She has the highest turnover rate. And she ate I don't this part of the thing is cool. She used a comb to eat from a salad, which is fine. But she's wow. she's abusive to her staffers, yeah. Um, that but it's a little bit of a hallmark of a sociopath, right? Like the, the, like the eating your the, eating a salad yeah. with a comb, like if it was it, a bamboo little like yeah, take away like wash again, chops, yeah, that I could do because I have like a bamboo fork. I don't right, exactly. you know. fingers. It seems more reasonable if you can't find a fork. Yeah, but a straight Twitter, goody yeah. comb. Yeah, I know. Plastic, if it's plastic. Up yeah. in a salad. A pick would be, a pick actually is like a fork. A, a, anything. Yeah. Really, with your hands. Fingers, fingers. <laughs> we were born with fingers. <laughs> Sticky hands, like uh, Stephen Crowder. Maybe that's what it was from. He ate with his hands. That's exactly right. Um, Bernie, of course, as is his want, is comes out and he's asked about, you know, whether or not voting people in prison should have the right to vote. He's like, yes. Yeah, I think so. Even very terrible people, blah, 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 blah. And of course, the media being the, um, uh, they always love presenting these extremist situations like they did with Dukakis, asking him about the death penalty, even if his wife had been raped and murdered. And of course, Dukakis, also pretty principled guy, said, yeah, I still oppose the death penalty. And then he was, he was like, slammed. yeah, slammed over that. Um, so they asked Bernie Sanders and he said, yeah. And they're like, even for the Boston Marathon bombers. And he was like, yes. But I'm going to say that um, if Henry Kissinger gets to vote and he's yeah. bombed everything that flies and n- everything yes. that moves. Why don't we take away his vote yes. and give it to other people? Exactly. Yeah. I can that- hear the snaps coming through the line right I know, now. Exactly. So um, and then Buttigieg said, nope, don't think so. He doesn't. So Kamala Harris um, took like the middle road. She's like, that's a conversation we have to have. 
Buttigieg said, no, I don't think so. And the mo- the best thing about Buttigieg's response was that he said that felons should get the right to vote after jail. And he acknowledged that part of the reason that the people from across the aisle, the Republicans, don't want felons to have the vote after jail is because there's what he called a racial layer, meaning it's racist, right? Mm-hmm. I think the motivations for preventing that kind of reenfranchisement in, in some cases have to do with one side of the aisle noticing that they politically benefit uh, from, from that. And that's got some racial layers too. Now, here's the thing. If you oppose something, which you should for many reasons, including the fact that it's racist, and we know that it is racist because our criminal justice system is racist and people of color are disproportionately incarcerated and criminalized. If it's racist after they're in jail, guess what? when else it's racist? When they're in jail. So if you object to that because they get out of jail and it's a racist system, then you should also be objecting to it when they're in jail because it doesn't stop being racist. Right. It's already racist. And that's when it's racist, too. And Henry Kissinger is not in jail. And Henry Kissinger is not in jail. Yeah, <laughs> in fact. So I think we should give everyone the right to vote. And I think we should also take Henry Kissinger's voting rights away. Anyone who's involved in genocide, uh, yeah. we should take their voting rights away. But I, I was stunned by this. I just saw that um, Karen Finney who was a uh, Hillary Clinton advisor, has a show on CNN. She's a DNC person, a Democratic strategist. She was asked about this and um, she said, That goes to the heart of what this is about, right? The political calculation. This has obviously been a very big issue in the African-American community because we know that uh, disenfranchising people when they return uh, is part of old Jim Crow. Kamala Harris talked about that last night, right? So there's been absolutely Florida and in a lot of places. So remember that Bernie had trouble with the African-American community in 2016. In my, when I, I read in his answer was this is part of his attempt to cater to African-Americans. And so the man who is about to be executed in Texas for dragging James Byrd Jr. behind a truck, should he get to vote? I don't think most folks think that well, well, when you're talking about that level of extreme terrorism. But some countries have compromises. I don't. I think well, so, minor offenders. But I think that so there are people can have a who are not going to go full bore. The terrorists should be able to vote. Okay. She um, weapons. Do you remember James Byrd? Right. I, he was he was the victim of a brutal, vicious yes. hate crime. He was dragged yes. to a truck. This woman is using that to argue against voting rights for the incarcerated. Okay. I let's remember want, yeah. that we have 2.3 million people yeah. in prison. Um. By absolute numbers, not by capita, it is more people in prison than India and China combined. We have more people. Yeah, India has about 400,000 people in prison with 1 billion people. China has about 1 million. So, and on top of that, we have more people. We're number one. I mean, you know. In mass incarceration. Mm -hmm. We also have um, more people in prison, just so you know, than the entire country of Slovenia. Like we, and... So um, using these crazy terrorist examples, well, if you're going to really talk about terrorists, George Bush should not be able to yeah. vote. Um, but it's also so cynical. You, how can you use a, a the victim of de- like a disgusting, racist, awful hate crime? I mean, it's like I don't even know how to condemn it because it was just so it's, it's yeah. you, it gives you a visceral as it should a visceral feeling of um, of fear and disgust and empathy and outrage. You're going to use that to argue against voting rights for predominantly people of color. You're also picking a a white guy, right? You mean the the white guys who are in jail for right for this hate crime? Right. When we know that our 
you know, our yeah. the br- prison system and the criminal justice system is racist and disproportionately incarcerates black men. So you're picking sort of the outlier and saying, well, do you want this guy to have voting right. rights? She's hitting him from both sides. It just kind of kind of seems like I think a lot of folks are out to. And listen, you don't have to like Sanders. Yeah, sure. But I think your arguments actually need to I be sound. Totally this agree. is my thing with with Bernie and people who like I get it. You're not going to vote for him. Totally sure. fine. Don't like. But but. Be honest yeah, in terms I of totally your agree. critique. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't have an honest critique, then don't say know, anything. Just be like, hey, guess what? I do. don't like him. So right. I, I'm just going to not speak because I don't like him. Right. Don't say anything at all. It's fine. I, or yeah. they could say, I like the status quo. Yeah, um, that's and what that's, they, that's what they, they don't want say, right. to say this because they want to feel like they're good people. But right. well, I think yeah. but I think you're absolutely right. And on top of this, um, with prisons, like even the like how many Wall Street bankers went to prison? Zero. Right. But, but they like, don't care. Yeah, like, even even care. like the white people in prison are mostly people who are p- p- poor committing right. poverty-related yes. crimes like yes. drugs. So it's just race a lot. Race to the bottom is Yes, again. race to yeah. the bottom. So let's talk a little bit about um, the... I want to use this opportunity, this YouTube uh, controversy opportunity to talk about something. Isha's going to educate us about this because Isha's a lawyer. Um, and she, I mean, you're going to educate us too, Francesca. I didn't want to like, I, I, mean, I don't want to be, I don't want to be law. What is it? Law privileging? Uh, <laughs> yeah, law, no. Law, lawyer perf- normative. Perfectly lawyer normative. fine. I mean, I was still stuck on the seven words I can't use. Like, I know, I'm, exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, we have more ways to describe dirty words than we actually have dirty words. Bad words, dirty, lewd, lascivious, indecent, profane, obscene, blue, off color, <laughs> risque. Suggestive, <laughs> cursing, cussing, swearing, and all I could think of was shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. Nisha, you were talking about. Uh, I asked you about this this YouTube thing, and uh, you talked about monopsony. Yes, what is so monopsony is when there's like a market failure, where you have only one single buyer for a whole bunch of sellers. Mm. YouTube is a per- perfect example of a monopsony because if you want to be like a content creator, you it is very, very, very hard to make a living if you're not on YouTube because you need... And so everyone's kind of stuck and have to go through YouTube in order to be a content creator. Amazon is another monopsony. Um, so when you have monopsony, it means that like the uh, a whole, it means basically the buyer gets to kind of decide on anything and there's no meaningful negotiation privilege. The buyer in this case is, is YouTube, but, but YouTube of a bunch of different content creators, Well, buyer, renter, whatever. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm the, just trying to understand monopsony. Yeah. It's like monopoly, but flipped. So one buyer for a whole, if all the sellers only have one buyer to go to. That is a monopsony. Right. And content creators uh, are basically in a monopsony. And um, so, but YouTube is also a private corporation. And if you look at their terms and conditions, they can literally eliminate you without anything. Like just even if they don't like the color of your background and you don't have a meaningful review on that front. You can't, there is no NLRB equivalent to go appeal. It's a black box. You don't even know if it's a human. And and when you're done, like it can kill your livelihood. Like some people make up to $2,000 on YouTube or some more a month. And they are in trouble if they just get uh, demonetized or kicked. 
And yeah, there was a whole shooting that happened at YouTube campuses oh, a couple years I, ago yeah, over a woman who got her uh, content demonetized. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's real. Yeah. Support your content creators, yeah. guys. Well, more important than that. Um, so the First Amendment is kind of limited to state action. Right. So it says that the government cannot do blah, 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 uh, cannot restrict your uh, freedom free, of speech. speech. But what happens is that when you have like forums like YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, which are all basically monopsonies, they you're giving this non-democratic entity like unilateral power to decide what is content and what is not. So, for example, I've heard video I've heard situations where videos of like war crimes have gotten just erased. Um, but then um CNN is allowed to peddle like whatever nonsense, like about Iraq having weapons of mass destruction, and they're never going to get removed from YouTube. Or Crowder or Jordan Peterson or a bunch of other right wingers who ultimately believe in white supremacy, even though they don't openly say that they're advocating for that. They're rad- they are radicalizing people um, just towards white extremism. I know, but but it, and it is a huge problem. But how we go about this problem is important because for me, my biggest critique of Carlos Massa is that he tagged YouTube and told them increase censorship, increase censorship. That's not what we need to do. What we need to do is have a hearing with the House, um, with that, with the House, like uh, House Com- uh, Commerce, uh, whatever the appropriate House committee is, and talk about why, why, are, how do you regulate these platforms? What can be acceptable content? What is the way for the citizen to have a meaningful review? If like, like there should be a way to sue or counter sue and like something like the NLRB. And they need to try to democratize it, not give one big black box power, like even more unreviewable black box power, because at that point, we're like putting democracy itself at risk. So how do we democratize it? What's this, well, there are many ways. Um, antitrust laws, so we can break up YouTube into different um, uh, entities. The second way could be to nationalize YouTube and make it into a public company. Let's do it. The Agreed. third way is to um, legislate it like it's a public utility. Mm-hmm. So there are thousands of ways to do it, but we need to learn what the problem is. What would that mean if you legislated it like a public utility? Yeah. Oh, okay. It would mean that basically that it's kind of like everyone has a right to it, but then like the public utility can cut you off on different things, but there is a way to appeal. Mm. There's a way to, it's not a black box. There's transparency. There's people oversight. Can we revoke internet access for people who should just go outside then? (laughs) Just to make them healthier, right? Yeah, just, you know, I think that'd be good. Uh, Here's the thing. I I don't think, I've been following this uh, loosely between Carlos Maza and Crowder and YouTube. I don't think that Maza was arguing for more censorship. He was. He clearly tagged YouTube and said, hey, YouTube, this is Pride Month. And uh, and then YouTube came out with this ridiculous like thing. Sure. But I think that he was more closely saying and I think this is the discussion that we should be having about the First Amendment is what is the difference between free speech and hate speech? And when do you use a platform to, for example, sell T-shirts that say uh, that say the F word? Uh, 
right? Yeah, you can't say it. That okay, says cool. uh, uh, socialism is for fags, and I, then you've got Carlos Massa's face on it, and you're consistently calling him a fag, and you're making fun of him. You're basically mocking him. Yeah. And we're not talking about once. We're talking about video after okay, video after but video. With hate speech, should it be some guy like James Damore at Google of deciding that? Or it should it be like... Democratically not, in Congress. It's, you know, and, and, and Carlos is by far not the first one to go through this. Uh, yeah. Anita Sarkeesian was one of the first people. She was targeted because of her videos around um, how games and video games are sexist. And then she spurred what was then dubbed Gamergate. And, you know, I think her analysis around this has been like, now that we see the ways that online trolls, specifically male supremacist, supremacist patriarchal white uh, extremism online gets weaponized and then we see it in places like Charlottesville and or voting for Donald Trump or, you know, on 4chan or whatever you see it on, is that we warned you. Like I was she was raising the flag on this on, on YouTube for a long time and no one took it seriously. And now we see that actually. It's not a cutesy little online conversation. It does have real tangible results. Crowder, I don't think, will throw a punch in his life. Yeah. Clearly, he'll he's going to drag someone and, and then try yeah. to get punched. Yeah. But Crowder definitely does have an audience. And that's their whole point. As I, I specialize, my specialty is is content on YouTube and on the Internet. And I know that in order to get clicks and views, you have to make people cry scream or vomit in the first five seconds of mm. your video. Otherwise, you're not doing your good job. So um, good cleanse, good, just a uh, cleanse. cleanse but, you know, it's all about incendiary yeah. material and content. And that's it. See, and I, I again, I don't want to make the video games lead to violence argument because right. I don't think it's the same. But it is you are you're supposed to be incendiary. Right. The problem is when it, it is weaponized against a particular person. So for me, I think Carlos was in the right. And I think we have ways to legislate against this without calling it or making it censorship. But I agree with you. There should be more regulation. Okay, well, more oversight. Okay, no one is denying the effect of it or hate speech. But um, having, once again, like you're not changing any structure. YouTube, honestly, is a is a for-profit corporation whose main, fidu their fiduciary duty is to maximize money for their shareholders. And so they're not going to be responsible for, I, I, my guess is often I feel Steven Crowder targets children, but that's just a theory I have and I don't know for sure. His audience, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, he does. Because okay. he's, he's not smart enough to have any, I mean, there are people who are evil, truly evil, who I who are smart and who I really disagree with. He's not smart and he de debates college students and he's I don't know how old he is, but not in college. Yeah. Oh, OK, but so, so th th yes, it is a problem. But then um, unless we have a systematic change, we are going to do more harm. I, I, because what happened is that I have a friend named Tim Schrock and mm. he did a video where he exposed the U.S. role in this like coup in uh, South Korea about 20 years ago. His video got kicked out for like uh, kicked out, but Steven Crowder's still on right. because they know that th th for YouTube, having those right wingers ma makes lots of money and yes. there's no incentive. Absolutely. So using asking YouTube to increase their police powers is not the right way to go about it. It is definitely to democratize it. Have a hearing with House. Have a House hearing and then have them have all of us combine and decide like what could, should be hate speech. And then after that, they we should also have a meaningful way to review. Like Tim Schrock, he hasn't he, he, his content is gone. He has no way to review this, and it's a big black box from YouTube. And Crowder's still on. So 
I don't see how. What- I definitely think that's a goal. I absolutely see that, like, for sure, getting towards that. I'm just reminded of the Facebook hearing, um, which after the Cambridge Analytica news dropped and we know that hundreds of millions of us and all of our data were exposed and mon- uh, 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 sold, essentially, for psychographing and the most Probably the most 1984 moment we've had. Probably against the FDA rules on human experimentation, too. Perfect example, right? But it's like, you know, and but but if only you had been advising, you know, folks in the Senate who were in this hearing with with Mark Zuckerberg, who didn't even know the first question to ask. And so I feel like for sure, like once we elect folks who are, let's say, uh, you know, under 40, uh, but who know what they're talking about on these issues and who are advised by people like Isha, um, then we can have that conversation. I think that there still needs to be pressure on private corporations. But how, how do they respond to the pressure? Y- yes, there needs to be pressure on private corporations, but I don't want to give them more power and sure. more black box. Sure, like they uh, shouldn't have to do, because exactly right, you know, we saw it with Facebook, right? Facebook had this editorial board back in the day and they reviewed everything and said, okay, what was fake and what was real? And they eventually got because this is the right loves to do this and said, you have an anti right wing bias. Uh, you're you're you know, you're demoting our videos uh, from Breitbart, which are not true, like meaning they peddle lies. And so instead of making that editorial board more robust, adding more journalists, adding more folks, what they did was they abdicated responsibility and they washed their hands of it. So you're right that like sometimes when you put pressure on these companies, they go in the wrong way. <laughs> you need to regulate them. You cannot put pressure on them. You need to tell them what mm. to do. And that's what the government right. exists for. Um, and so that the worst thing about the Facebook thing is there's also another thing called establishment bias. I mean, there, last week, CNN literally peddled a lie about how, or, or was it last month, how there's no food in Caracas. Mm-hmm. And there's videos from Caracas, which has, which has food. And yet that, content will never get editorialized for fake news on Facebook. But um, thousands of independent journalists from Caracas, a lot of them lost, will get editorialized. So. Also, I mean, I we saw already that some people who, who make videos on the alt-right, right, and white supremacy, they got removed too. Mm-hmm. So there, I think there are, two, there are couple, lots of issues. One of them is like, there's the principle, the issue in principle, there's the issue in in intent and then an impact. Right. And I think we definitely are saying that the impact kind of let's pause on the, the principle stuff. The impact is has been there's been a lot of bad stuff. Right. So we have people getting removed because they make mo- videos about the alt right. You know, mm-hmm. it's like imagine like, you know, it's saying like uh, Schindler's List is bad because it's about Nazis or something. Right. But it's a uh, I don't know why. You know what I mean? Like yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. The content is not perspective. Right. right. Just because you're talking um, about the Holocaust yeah, yeah, doesn't right. mean you're in favor of the Holocaust. Yes. Um, hot take. You heard it here first. But I do. One of the things I do find infuriating is how the when this happens, um, it it's re-legitimizing and legitimizing that much more corporate establishment, right? And we have to make sure we talk about that also because that's the stuff that never gets flagged by anyone, right? And I get why it's not explicit hate speech, right? 
but the effects of it are extremely dangerous. And it starts they, wars. It's yeah, that's the thing. It's like we need to be talking about that also. But we have to distinguish ourselves and not somehow put ourselves in the same. I would never put your content or the content that I create in the same category as crowd or the content that your friend yeah. created or talking about, or you know, the friend. U.S. history yeah. of toppling uh, uh, Latin American governments or wherever governments like I don't I think we need to distinguish these two things. And I, I did think even though I do think uh, Maza was right and he's saying that YouTube has all these new robust policies, but they're probably not going to implement them. But I think it was good that they spent specified if you are discussing that one race or group of people is superior to the other that will be flagged and removed Wait. i don't see that the left does that same thing. Hold on. let me read the youtube policy exactly today we're taking another step in our hate speech policy by specifically prohibiting videos that allege a group is superior in order to justify discrimination or segregation and exclusion based on qualities like Age, race, gender, caste, religion, sexual orientation, or veteran status. Um, wow. like, oh, okay. Um, this would also include examples of videos that promote or glorify Nazi ideology, which are inherently discriminatory. Finally, we will remove content that denying well-documented violent events like the yeah. Holocaust shoot or the shooting at Sandy Hook. Yet, right t- today, like, like last month, there is a video from CNN featuring uh, Elliot Abrahams, Abrams, a- Abrams, Elliot yeah. Abrams denying El Mozote massacre and the massacre at Dos Eres and the 626 other villages in Guatemala right. that were and terminated. That, and that should be flagged. No, Absolutely. No, 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 no. I mean, she's saying yeah, she's, yeah, yeah, but that is their policy. So it is meant to flag. You see, the, the policy they came out with is this policy that explicitly can target the left. Yeah. But um, here's a hot, this is going to be controversial. I don't actually think that what what um, Crowder is doing falls into that. No, it does not. That's I mean, and so I don't even think it works. And I know this is like, I, I have, there are lots of thoughts I have on this. But again, putting aside the kind of more principled things, I just don't think that, and again, I, he's disgusting. I think we should make response videos to his response videos. In fact, we should do that. I but, disagree but, strongly. But he's not. But he's not. He's not violent. Yeah, he's not violent. Sure. I, I think uh, no. It's true that those those stipulations somehow don't feel like because he's if not you make a video that he's not explicitly saying, and I'm not defending him obviously or white no pun intended whitewashing him. Um, and we have to wrap up, so we're gonna have to continue this. Um, I'll 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 we're gonna have an extended combo that I'll post on Twitter at KT Helps letter K letter T H A L P S or the Katie Helper Show Facebook page, but. Um, He's not. I mean, he's smart enough, although he's so stupid. He's somehow like the smartest idea he's ever had. And that's the ceiling is that he gets to not explicitly say we're superior to people. Well, that's and, how, and that is how a lot of alt-right um, yeah. creators masquerade now. Yeah. There's the white supremacy is definitely under the shroud of like, no, I'm just suggesting it's it. Like I'm not open. It's supremacy. It's like cream color. For sure. Vanilla supremacy. It's definitely yeah. off. And beige supremacy. Beige yeah. supremacy. And they're working on it. And so they... So it looks like YouTube's response to Carlos Maza actually did not address the problem Agreed. at all. Yeah. So, yeah. And um, by the way, I just want to announce to the listeners, I'm going to start doing a Bernie bash watch because there's so much. Guys, start doing. Start, I know. Well, I know. Katie, I'm you're our watchdog. I am the watchdog. In fact, She's I'm going to get my she little knows. doggy. I have a dog <laughs> that I want to use 
to be my physical. Oh, watchdog. I didn't know about yeah. your dog. Oh, gosh, she's so cute. Just kidding. Oh, just kidding. I follow you all on right. all the things. All, yeah. Of course, her, I know you have a dog. Her hashtag is Bodie Pooch Pup. B O D H I P O O C H P U P. By the way, <laughs> she does have a hashtag, not her own account. But I'm going to have listeners. I want listeners to call in with their best examples uh, of the week. So make sure you do that. Uh, next week, I'll start doing that. But I want to thank Francesca Fiorentini and Isha Krishnaswamy so much. Krishnaswamy. Krishnaswamy. Krishnaswamy so much for coming on to the Katie Halper Show, which you can hear every Tuesday at 11 a.m. on WBAI. That's WBAI.org, 99.5 FM. Where can we find you guys on the internet? At Franny Fio, F-R-A-N-I-F-I-O. At Isha Legal, E-S-H-A-L-E-G-A-L. Awesome. See you guys next week and then tag the best Bernie bashing Bernie lies about Bernie so we can debunk them. Thanks. Bye. Make sure you become Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash the Katie Halper show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Halper show. So you can hear my Patreon only interview with Matt Taibbi. We talk about his Rolling Stone piece called YouTube Facebook purges are more extensive than you think. Legitimate journalists are again being caught in the wash of Internet cleanups. 